Blog Talk Radio. This land is mine. God gave this land to me. This brave and ancient land to me. children can run free so take my hand and walk this land with me and walk this lovely land with me Good evening and happy uh, Shabbat. Um, I'm going to uh, speak of nothing in the news other than to uh, uh, to speak on a quick story that uh, Steve, uh, who goes by Bloodbath here in the chat room, uh, brought up to me earlier in this uh, week. Uh, Those in the chat room have probably uh, read this. We had another show that was flagged by the Thought Police. Uh, You know, the the uh, first show that was flagged by the Thought Police was uh, was flagged because... uh, they uh, uh, said that we violated their policy on uh, on vaccines. Now, the fact of the matter is, uh, we exceed, well, exceedingly pro-vaccine, and all we did is is uh, uh, explain that the anti-vaxxers are uh, uh, are making a foolish decision with their own lives and their uh, their loved ones. So, uh, <laughs> you have to be uh, a moron to have uh, flagged our show uh, on your vaccine policy when we are anti-conspiracy and pro-vaccine and we're uh, unrelenting in that regard and have never changed in that regard. Uh, This time it was uh, uh, election tampering, uh, but uh, the election I would assume that we were tampering with is one that we didn't vote in because we really don't care who wins uh, election. We're, no. we're, anti, we're anti-political. So, first of all, we, we don't take sides. Second is the election had taken place seven months previously. So it's pretty hard to tamper with an election that has uh, already transpired by, uh, by uh, seven uh, months. The, uh, the third thing is that the person who I mentioned uh, was a story that I picked up from the mainstream media. It was all over the mainstream media, so I just cited the mainstream media. Uh, but the person I mentioned, uh, to my knowledge, has never run for office. So <laughs> how that becomes <laughs> uh, election tampering. You tamper, I mean, are you? Genuinely, <laughs> yeah, genuinely we are dealing with uh, uh, people Laura. who are 
completely irrational in, uh, in the uh, New Thought Police uh, dealing with, uh, with America. So uh, I apologize. But, and it's, uh, we have this tendency to try to isolate Facebook because Facebook is so liberal. Uh, and uh, the founder of Facebook, uh, who actually founded his company, by uh, doing what uh, would get you in jail today and would be considered the ultimate no-no among uh, liberals, uh, he shamed women. I mean, it was the whole thing was, uh, you know, would you, would you do this woman or how, uh, how ugly is she or how, uh, how doable is she? And it was a, a way of just taking images of women that went to uh, the, uh, the university and, uh, um, and treating them like a piece of, of meat. So that's how Facebook was started. And so it's easy to, to pick on them. But uh, this is uh, on YouTube. And YouTube, uh, best of my understanding, is owned by uh, Google, which is Alphabet. So uh, <laughs> obviously, uh, Larry Page, who's, uh, um, who lives uh, just a stone's throw from where uh, I am here, uh, <laughs> has not left very smart people responsible for uh, his content. That'll be enough, uh, that'll be enough uh, news today. I don't even think we dropped a name. Therefore, uh, we, we ought to be free of the thought police. Let's, uh, maybe there's going to be a moratorium one of these days on Yasha Yah, uh, Isaiah. I, I don't know. Maybe he's uh, done something that gets him, you know, Dr. Seuss, I had always thought was a pretty squared, squared away guy. I, I, uh, one of my favorites growing up, uh, but uh, I can see uh, one fish, two fish, red fish, blue fish could be uh, indeed a... Uh, uh, how dare you. Yeah, how dare you. <laughs> so, well, if you, go, if you go from verse 10 to 17 in the passage we're about to go to, uh, I thought, I translated every key word, and, and yep. I'm telling you, you could have been a lot rougher. Uh, Y'all was really mad. Oh, he don't, any, he don't pull any punches on yeah. what we're about to yeah, do. That, that so, is one uh, of yeah. the yeah. There, there were two reasons we uh, we turned to this. Uh, one of them was uh, uh, selfish for all of us. Uh, yeah, I guess it's not selfish if it's something Yahweh wants. And no, uh, and he yeah. So there was there's a passage uh, in here that we we covered several weeks ago, where God essentially says that that uh, he is so pleased with what we have all been doing, that when he uh, meets with the children of the covenant uh, for the first time, he is going to acknowledge all of our contributions, that he's going to actually say, I want to show some appreciation because many of you are here because you know they work so hard at, at trying to share my message. And I'm going to want to acknowledge them. And, you know, our first wow. response, of course, is, you know, Please don't do that. We just like to be a fly on the back of the wall. I mean, come on, happy to be there. Please don't embarrass us this way. Uh, yeah, uh, but but then you know the reason that we brought it up was that it's so yeah. No dad yeah. is going to let one of their kids do something that they think is important and that had some value and not acknowledge it. And to say to dad, I'm sorry, you can't do that, would be actually selfish. So uh, we shared it because it spoke volumes about the nature of our Heavenly Father. 
It's just who he is. You know, he likes working through people. He doesn't seem to get frustrated that that we aren't really up to speed on a lot of things. Uh, But, you know, he likes working. It's it's just the the whole thing is he enjoys our company, likes working through us. uh, And and so when we do something that's worthwhile, and I'm here to tell you, looking at these, uh, uh, the new editions of, these books, or 19 or 20 of them uh, that we've completed thus far, uh, that the team has worked on, and uh, the website now that is showing them. Uh, I think we do have something that yeah, I was pleased with. Uh, it's uh, the, mm-hmm. the message is is strong. It's uh, directed correctly at his people. Uh, it beautiful presentation. Yeah, it's a beautiful presentation and an exceedingly effective message. So. Uh, mm-hmm. That was part of it. The other part of it was that starting at this point in uh, Yeshaya, uh, God becomes more hostile to Judaism than anything we have experienced thus far. Now, Yeshaya begins in chapters 1 through 10, and it is all anti-Judaism. Uh, 11, of course, is on the uh, the choter, and and then God shows both positive and negative for a little while after that. But by the time you get to where we are now, which is uh, Yeshaya uh, 57:10, for the next 10 statements, it is no holds barred. He God is exceedingly disgusted by rabbinic Judaism. And that's what we're going to read. And uh, I, I have no problem having these translations challenged because I think the more you challenge them, the more it's going to reinforce that the religion God hates the most isn't Christianity, though he despises it. He calls it the plague of death. It isn't Islam, though he despises it because uh, in Islam, Allah is uh, Satan. And both of those religions have sought to malign and murder the chosen people. The religion he hates the most is Judaism. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Uh, one is, of course, the, the religion that's had the most negative effect on the chosen people is not Islam or Christianity. It's Judaism. It has separated virtually every Jew from Yahweh for a better part of uh, 3,000 years. Yeah, it stands to reason, though. Yeah, so, and the next thing is, they were his witnesses. God spoke yeah. to the world in their language through their ancestors, and yet they rejected it, and they not only rejected it and came up with their Talmud, but these jerks call their Talmud the Torah. Hmm. And the first thing they did is remove his name. Oh, he's God's limit. If you are a religious Jew, you need to know God hates you. But most religious Jews probably already know that. With the variation and the duration of your long rabbinical journey, 
Your ways have become wearisome, but you have never admitted it is hopeless. With the variation and the duration of your long rabbinical journey, your ways were wearisome. They required the expenditure of considerable effort, but you never admitted. Reinvigorated, you expressed your influence such that you did not show any weakness so that you did not appear the least bit grieved. This is Yeshaya, Isaiah 57.10. The words are Bar-Rob, which is the basis of Rabbi, mm-hmm. and your ways, Derek Ath. Wearisome is from Yaga, but you never admitted Loamar. It is hopeless, Yarash. Reinvigorated is from Chaya. You expressed is from Matzah. Your influence is from Yad Atta, such that you did not show weakness is from Al Ken Lo Chala. What part of that uh, should be rendered a different way? Uh, nothing. I mean, it's just, uh, it, it hits it. It's just, it's also disease. Some of these words are disease, which brings up Paul's, uh, you know, diatribe. It's just plague of death. It's certainly will kill you. Um, it's despair, Yarash despair. Uh, you know, it's a really simple thing if, uh, if anyone's not sure, just to go through a simple little um, some a program that has a uh, interlinary, you look these up, and there, there's no no fight over what these words mean in the no. interlinearies or any of the lexicons. I mean, they're right no. on the money. It's not hard. No, you know. In and, fact, you mentioned Paul. Well, yeah. God's God is lambasting Judaism here, not Christianity. Oh, I, know, I know, but uh, yeah, but you is. mentioned you mentioned Paul. <laughs> Had it yeah. not been for rabbinic Judaism, Paul would never have written a single book, given a single speech, made any claim. The thing that made Paul an effective deceiver was that he had been schooled in rabbinic Judaism, so he knew these passages well enough to misappropriate them and misquote them. He knew uh, Judaism well enough to attack it. And so had the rabbis not taught this guy, there would have been no Christianity, because without Paul, there is no Christianity. And think of how different the world would have been if after imperial Rome, there wasn't the Roman Catholic Church, because the oppression of the chosen people by the Roman Catholic Church has been so gruesome and so unrelenting, and it never would have occurred had it not been for rabbinic Judaism. There have been countless variations of Judaism, as rabbis have added their personal pronouncements to the pile of manure which preceded them. The notion that the Talmud is an alternative Torah, dating back to the time of Moshe, well, is, well, to use the Irish term for such things, malarkey. The preponderance of the Talmud was compiled in Babylon, 
around 500 CE. The Ramdam, Rabbi Moshe bin Mamon, or Mamamides as he is called, was a converso Muslim, and he codified his Talmudic law in his 14-volume Mishnah Torah in the 12th century. In the 12th century. The Zohar was written in a cryptic and obscure style of Aramaic used exclusively by rabbis in the late Middle Ages. The first appeared in Spain and not until the 13th century when it was published by Rabbi Moshe de Leon. To garner undeserved credibility, de Leon falsely credited the book to Rabbi Shimon bar Yochai, a disciple of Rabbi Akiba, who was the most nefarious of Jews for having brought the wrath of Rome upon Judea while promoting a false messiah. And because of his promotion of a false messiah, Yisrael as Yahuda was renamed Philistia, causing the problems that we're witnessing today. The Jews were hauled off into slavery. The temple was destroyed. The proceeds were used to build the Colosseum, which was a theater to death. And we began the diaspora. All of that can be laid right to the feet of the man that rabbinic Judaism's credits as being the father of their religion. It's interesting, I did not mention the Jerusalem Talmud because it isn't well regarded, even among rabbinic Jews. And it's because it's so poorly written. It's so incomplete. So they really begin with the Babylonian Talmud, which is what they call the Torah. Now, in addition, it is important to know after we mention these uh, infamous rabbis mm-hmm. that Hadithic Judaism, which is the, ortho, ortho, uh, the ultra-Orthodox variety, okay. it's even a more modern phenomenon. It was conceived in Poland in the 1700s. It was promoted by a guy that wrote almost nothing. His name was Baal Shem Tov, Lord of the Good Name, also known as Rabbi Israel ben Eliezer. But Baal. As a result, Hadithic Jews, oh, it's stunning. These guys are, it's amazing that people this stupid can be, and they're worshipped. They are worshipped, are worshipped. The God of rabbinic Judaism are many. Named after Satan. They are rabbis. Rabbis. <laughs> rabbis have, are the ones that they worship. So Jews, as a result, remain in the 18th century unable to progress or to extricate themselves from that time. You know, I looked up because I wanted to see... When did these guys start wearing those stupid black morning suits? When did they start wearing the, the uh, weasel hats? When did that all occur? And you know what I found out? Around, around the 1940s and the 1950s. 
I didn't you know, know this idea that, that, I mean, that rabbinic Judaism is old, no. 1700s, 1800s, 1900s, not old at all. That's why I said there's so many of it, is it uh, evolves with whoever the next popular rabbi is. And, and they, have, they do pilgrimages on their holy days to rabbis in places like the Ukraine, for example. That that the, the rabbi the, uh, the men and boys in the morning suits that were stampeded in Israel the biggest peacetime death toll I think in Israel's history uh, they were actually celebrating the death of uh, the rabbi who was falsely Rabbi Shimon Bar uh, Yokai the rabbi who was falsely attributed as the uh, author of the Zohar. They were doing their bobbing up and down, and they're swaying back and forth, and they're, they, they actually look like Pentecostals, but in morning yeah. times. Uh, it's, uh, even, fuck, I watched a, uh, an Orthodox wedding because the women are so badly abused, and they're made to shave their heads to take their dignity. They have no rights from that point on. And the men, are, while they're doing it, are sitting there bobbing their heads up and down. They just can't stop doing it. I got a brain in there. I know I, it's somewhere. There's a brain in there. Come on. Where, where is it? Where did I lose it? Well, anyway. Like a little, little bird that dunks in the beak in the water. These, uh, these are your assassins. The five Jews oh. I just mentioned. They are the most deadly of all Jews. If Yahweh had a most wanted uh, list, I'd add the wannabe Rabbi Shaul Paul of uh, New Testament infamy, and then Muhammad of Quranic pain. But uh, those are stories for another time. With life becoming more miserable for Jews, with surviving religious and political oppression, uh, with the rise of anti-Semitism, with this all becoming more debilitating, why is it that no one has stood up against the rabbis to announce the obvious? This is not working. With every word the rabbis wrote, with every deception that flowed from their poison pens, no one ever admitted this is futile. In fact, it has been counterproductive, a self-inflicted wound, and God's question still lingers. There isn't a single Jew out there saying, I'm sorry, this has been an abject failure. Why don't we try something else? Why don't we do the Hezekiah thing? The religion thing is obviously pissing God off. Isn't that the first line you read? But he never admitted it's hopeless? Yes. Why not? Yeah. As Stockholm children, religious Jews have redoubled their efforts. They have not wearied of being played by their own. Instead, Jews have rallied around their rabbis, clinging to them for advice, worshipping them when they were actually the very reason the people were suffering. Separated from their land, separated from their God. Religious Jews, particularly the leaders, are going to spend eternity in Sheol because they have committed the unforgivable sin. 
They have led souls away from Yahweh to gods bearing other titles and names. This prophetic proclamation from Yahweh's lips to rabbinic ears is among among the saddest we have encountered. God says to the rabbis and to those who believe them, what did you find so troubling that you were afraid of me? What was so wearisome and concerning that you did not respect me? Such that you became deceptive in so many ways. You have become proven liars, weaving your delusions on behalf of a false god. Your opinions are all wrong about God. What you write and say is counter to reality. You are worshiping something that is not real only imagined. You have not thought about these things, nor have you been inclined to be associated with me. And you have not mentioned me because you do not even remember who I am. I have been neglected, or have I been neglected, because I have been silent, Have I been eliminated and nullified for not responding to you? Has it been so long that you no longer respect me and are now actually against me? That's Yashaya 57.11. Kirk, when I translated that, my first reaction was, they carry this around in their Tanakh. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No, Yeshaya is is like you know he's not obscure. No, he's they, in the building they, in downtown. Yeah, yeah, he's he is the most prominent of the prophets. Yeah, I think so. He really is. I mean, he happens to be my yeah. favorite prophet. Uh, he's Yahweh says that you know that he has a special relationship with Moshe, and I get that as a uh, as a prophet because he did so much to lead the people out of. Mitzrayim, the crucibles of religious and political oppression. And, uh, so I can appreciate Yahweh's unique viewpoint on Moshe, but if you were to total all of Moshe's prophecies together, they would equal maybe 10% of the prophecies contained in Yahshua. So Moshe was, a, was, was an extraordinary man and did some extraordinary things, and he was he was a, the ult, ultimate prophet if you view prophecy as God does, which is prophecy is past and future. So, you know, by telling the story of creation, of the flood, of, uh, uh, of uh, the uh, relationship with uh, Abraham and how it developed, and then with Yishak and with Jacob and and then what caused the children of Israel to go into Egypt and then tell that story of, of their release and their deliverance being withdrawn and presenting the Torah to us. Okay, Moshe is extraordinary. Uh, I have no issue with that. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, the prophet's prophet is, is Yashaya, Isaiah. No. We only have one complete prophetic scroll. 
Mm-hmm. It happens to be the longest, uh, the most prolific of the prophets, Yashaya. Mm-hmm. There is a shrine to that scroll. And yet it says this, God says this as bluntly as he can about Judaism. And they pay no attention. They go about their religion as if they're doing some service to God. And yet God says, what did you find so troubling that you were afraid of me, such that you became deceptive in so many ways and have become proven liars, weaving your delusions on behalf of a false god? You have not thought about these things, nor have you been inclined to be associated with me, and you don't even mention me. Fact is, you don't even remember who I am. I have been negated because I have been silent. Is that why you've eliminated and nullified me because I didn't respond to you? Has it been so long you do not respect me or are now against me? Well, the answer to the first question is rather simple. God had no use for rabbis. He only mentions them mm-hmm. to condemn them. So the rabbis created a different God by a different designation in a different Torah, which is actually the Talmud, to replace Yahweh. They needed a God who would support their lust for power. So they made up their own. There is no room for religion, no opportunity to get rich deceiving the people in the Torah. Therefore, rabbis substituted their Talmud. You know, I was translating a passage uh, yesterday Mm -hmm. morning, Uh uh, Kirk, and it was uh, uh, in uh, in relation to uh, Sukkah. It's interesting that uh, Yashaya, my favorite prophet, uh, Mm -hmm. has a lot to say about Sukkah. And... uh, so I was I was translating those and and then uh, I went back to the first time and the second time that uh, Sukha is uh, is mentioned in the Torah and it speaks the the second time that it is mentioned the first time is in conjunction with uh, Jacob and it tells the whole story of Sukha uh, the Mikra of Sukha mm-hmm. is told in that story uh, about uh, Jacob. And we'll eventually get there. And, and then the second time that God mentions it, uh, and, and it's the, he speaks of it as an arrival in Sukkot. The only difference between Sukkah and Sukkot is that uh, it's uh, plural. So in that presentation, and this is uh, a matter of days before the Torah is revealed. The Yahweh reveals his Torah to Moshe. God says, there's only going to be one Torah. Only one, each Ichad. One Torah for you, one Torah for the, uh, the Goyim. Just one. That's all they're going to be. One Torah. So how in the hell did these buffoons claim that there was a second Torah handed down orally to the elders of Israel and then magically passed on to them 
uh, what, uh, just shy of 2,000 years later. If there's only one Torah, and God says there's only going to be one Torah before there was any Torah, how do you claim there's two? Unless the Torah that was put in writing is false. But if the Torah that is put in writing is false, your Torah, which you claim was delivered at the same time and via the same God through the same people, it's false. Mm -hmm. Game over. Yeah. I mean, how can these people have a higher IQ than the average human and be that stupid? Well, I can tell you why. I've been asking that all week. Oh, no. The answer is exceedingly straightforward. God God said, in essence, that you guys are so destructive. You're so harmful. You're, You're so abusive of our relationship, of me, of my name, of my plan, of my prophets, of my Torah, of my covenant, that if I blind you such that you don't understand any of it, at least you will not be condemning and and corrupting the truth. Therefore, the truth will still be available. They just have to bypass you and they can find the truth. But if I don't blind you, if I don't make it so that you are too dumb to understand, then you're going to so screw things up that no one will ever find it. So that's half of it. God deliberately says, I am making you stupid. You're not going to get any of this because when you deal with it, You misappropriate everything. You twist everything. You eliminate my name. You eliminate my chog, my moed. Change the letters and how to pronounce them. The the, the two most important moed by far. Now, there's really only two that that, ultimately there's two moed that make all the difference in the world. Because I'm here to tell you, Pesach without matzah, is really counterproductive. God says that Chag Matzah is it. I mean, he goes on. Every uh, positive term that Yahweh can throw at something, he throws at Chag Matzah, the Mikra of Matzah. And Mm -hmm. the fact is that Pesach and Bakurim are incorporated into Chag Matzah. Why am I telling you this story? Because... Religious Jews celebrate Passover. They do not celebrate. They do not observe. They do not speak of matzah. Matzah is relegated to an ingredient Mm -hmm. during Pesach. Nothing more. That's how bad these idiots have become. And the the next most important day to uh, an ethnic Jew is Yom Kippur, the Day of Reconciliation. And what did they do? They turned the celebration of the reunion of the family where Yisrael and Yahudah are reunited with Yahweh, they turned it in to a a pain in the ass as a time to afflict themselves, to abuse themselves. The the reunion with God is so abhorrent to, 
to rabbis that the day that it, it occurs is the single most depraved, debilitating, disgusting day of the year. It's the day they abuse themselves because they know the reunion with Yahweh is, it's lights out for Rabbinic Judaism. It's over. And they will take the entire ethnicity down with them. But that just shows you how wrong they are. There is nothing in the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms more important than Yahweh's name. What did they eliminate from their religion? His name. Yahweh's name. Yeah. Yeah. So you can't do worse than that. And what did Yahweh say about the Torah? Not only is there only one of them, he says, don't add to it. What did they do? You look at a rabbi, he's got a wall of add to it. So I'm telling you, folks, uh, it, it, you may think that we're being um, okay, no, we're we're called all that we called all sorts of names care. like anti-Shemites uh, uh, for uh, for attacking uh, uh, rabbinic Judaism. But, but by the way, anti-Shemite means against the name. We love the name Yahweh. And by the yeah. way, we love Yehuda. We love yeah. Yehuda. And the, we're doing this because we love Yehuda. I only wish there were more of them. Because what rabbis have done to you is they've taken the Yehuda out of you. Yeah. They have Turn rendered all of you Jews. Mm-hmm. Such that exactly. there isn't a Yehuda in the midst. Not one of you. Other than those who have come this way via these writings through the covenant. Because to be a Yehuda, to be a Yehud, is to be beloved of Yah. And you can't be beloved of Yah if you won't even say his name. My children know my name. They shout it. Yes, rendering what should have been and would have been Yehudim, Jews, the void of the name. Fact is, as we said, there's no room to get rich deceiving people in the Torah. Therefore, rabbis have substituted everything in the creation of their Talmud. Rabbis have been deceptive in so many ways that it is obvious to everyone who reads the Torah and prophets that Judaism is counter to reality. It's filled with unsubstantiated opinions and wild imaginings. To believe them is to be deluded. That is God's conclusion. You can form your own. Claiming to speak for God, pretending that they are the only qualified individuals to study the words of Hashem. In actuality, the rabbis have not given Yahweh second thought. No, they don't study They aren't the least bit inclined to consider anything meaningful about Yahweh. Rabbis say nothing of Yahweh because they do not know who he is. If that sounds too harsh, you can blame me if you'd like. But 
I'm conveying Yahweh's sentiments. There is no mention of Yahweh anywhere in the vast array of rabbinic writings. Not in the Talmud, not in the Mishneh Torah, nor in the Zohar, nor in any of the recent drivel uh, attributed to Baal Shem Tov. The rabbis have left a written legacy, one dating back 2,000 years, one which has been continually updated by their ilk, providing absolute proof that they have not thought about, that they have not been inclined to be associated with, and that they have not so much as mentioned Yahweh even once. Should you disagree? Prove God a liar. But good luck with that. Because this prophetic statement, like every other, was, and it remains accurate. There is no rabbi today, nor has there ever been one, who knows or speaks the truth about Yahweh. Now, I didn't give you an opportunity to, uh, to speak on the words of uh, Yashaya. Fifty-seven one, but uh, or fifty-seven eleven. Right. Is there anything there that you found that was particularly either insightful, or that maybe I uh, I missed or got wrong? No, no, you didn't really miss anything. I, I did. He's talk, he called them really nasty, ongoing liars and stuff like that. So I mean, it's it's where well, yeah. I mean, you could have written five more paragraphs on the same, you know, the same verse. It's just that because we have so many English words to, to convey. But if you if you really think about what it all comes down to, I mean, he is really being vicious. I mean, he just yeah. can't stand it. I, but I did want to say uh, the reason we love Yasha Yah scroll so much, that's the prophecy for this time. It, it is. is. He told him. He told him. He said, don't worry. This is going to be come to fruition at a t- time later. Just watch and wait, you know. And yes. uh, that's why we embrace it because it is for it is for now to do this very thing. He wrote these words, and there was no rabbi to holler at. Yeah. Uh, I mean, first of all, uh, some, it's yeah. clear that Yashaya understood mm-hmm. Yahweh's love for Dode. He gets yes. Dode right. Yes. He understands the concept of Zoroa and and who are the Zoroa. Mm-hmm. Uh, he clearly gets uh, the fact that. Dode is the one who is returning. He is in love with Yahweh's name. He is fixated on the covenant and on the Torah. Uh, Yeshaya knows his intellect is superb. His, he is brilliant as a, as a wordsmith. And, and Yahweh allows his prophets to interject their terminology and uh, and their insights into his testimony because he doesn't use them as robots. He picked this mm-hmm. man for a reason. This is an extraordinary individual. And what we have learned about Yashaya is that during his lifetime, not a single person capitalized on his message. Here is the greatest of the prophets living in your hometown, speaking your language, and not a single person capitalized. But it's worse than that. Yahshiah was able to go forward in time, and for the next 2,000 years, no one capitalized. No one. And finally, Yahweh said, hey, man, don't, don't sweat it. 
It's all, it's all cool. It's all going to be good. You know, what you wrote is going to matter. It's going to make all the difference in the world. Here, I'm going to show you how what you have written is going to transform my people in the end and play the leading role and bringing them back home. And he did. Mm-hmm. And that's why we find so much of what we're doing incorporated into the prophet's presentation because what we are doing is God's way to tell Yashaya, amen, you're, you're the best. You're, what you're doing matters. Don't, don't feel badly about it. Celebrate it. Look how your prophecy is going to be used to bring my people home. So you're, you're right. We, we do fixate no, embrace to it. a large degree on, on Yashayai's every time he's we a, turn he's to the key. it. He's, mm-hmm. he's, the, uh, he's the king. <sighs> I'm not going to do it. There, um, it was, uh, I, I'm going to tease on it, but I'm, I'm just not going to do it. There is a prophecy uh, further down the line right towards the end of Yeshaya, where we are mentioned again and in a way that is uh, it's so riveting that I've shared it with, because uh, it was brought to my attention, I didn't find it. And I've shared it with two or three people, and I said, listen, I, I just can't, I can't even deal with this at, uh, at this point and, uh, and time, to which they're, I think, a little miffed at me, because I've always said, I'll go where the words lead. Well, this went to a place that was, uh, was more than I'm I could handle. For. Yeah, more than I'm ready for. Uh, and I guess we, we'll get there uh, one day. But uh, uh, I can tell you that what we are doing is not only important to Yahweh. It's not only important to the Yehudim and the Israelites that will ultimately capitalize upon Yom Kippurim. It was important to this man. It was important to Yahshua. So the answer to the second question that God is posing is found in uh, the first uh, rabbis uh, where they were able to neglect and uh, actually nullify uh, Yahweh along with their brethren because God has remained silent for so long. It's been, it's been 2,400 years since the word of Yahweh was conveyed through a prophet. 2,700 years since Yahshua spoke to Yahweh's people. But 2,400 years since there was a prophet. I'm not, yeah, I'm not uh-huh. sure if it's Malachi or Zachariah. There's, oh, the uh, some, yeah. yeah, no, there's, the there's, some, there's some evidence that either one, I, I'm personally lean towards Malachi being the, uh, the last of the prophets. Um, uh, and I, I love the fact that God ends by telling you, you know, that I'm going to bring Elia back. <laughs> you know, I, I, listen, I, I, Malachi, you think fun. that, God, we think that Yashaya is giving them both barrels. Malachi is even yeah. harsher on them. And, but God mm. says, listen, I, we're still going to get this thing resolved, and I'm going to give you uh, 
in the end, Malachi. Everybody gets a shot. Oh, yeah, I'm going to be Elliot. And so, you know, I'm trying to figure out, so why Elliot? Okay, I think Elliot's the best because I love sarcasm. I, I love a guy that's got chutzpah, that'll, that's got the courage uh, to, to give him both barrels. Uh, so, personally, I like the dude. But he wasn't much of a prophet. He really wasn't much of a prophet. There's no book no, of Elliot out there, right? No, that's if, if I were to ask you, could you please uh, could you really please well. list the top ten uh, prophecies that were shared by Elia? I to? think I'd have even the most dedicated Torah and prophet scholars scratching their head. That wasn't Elia's role. Elia's no. role was to expose and condemn religion and politics, and he yeah. did that better than anyone. Yeah. in history. And in fact, he did it with such style, with such humor, uh, with such biting words, that Yahweh said, okay, 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 okay. <laughs> hey, you're good. I, I am not going to waste you on these backwater bozos if back here. Uh, uh, I'm going to bring you yeah. to prime time. When it really counts... <laughs> I'm bringing you back because, man, I think you're funny. (laughs) In the midst of all this, I need a laugh. And, dude, I'd pay for admission. You're good. So I think, firstly, I think that's why uh, uh, Elia's being brought back. Nobody gets a double take. You know, that's pretty cool. Oh, gosh, Elia's so funny. Encore. Yeah, so rabbis were able to... uh, neglect and negate, actually nullify Yahweh among their brethren because God has remained silent for so long. In 2,400 years since Yahweh conveyed anything to a prophet. Now, somebody might say, well, Yosha was a prophet. Nah, not really. Not really. I don't think there there may be very little to nothing that Yosha said that wasn't already in the Torah, Prophets, and Psalms. You know, right. okay, we on this program cite the prophet Yashaya. That does not make us prophets. And when no. Yosha cited something that Yashaya said, it did not make him a prophet. It made him, like us, someone who is... Mm-hmm. is Reporting the facts. Right, and the other problem is we don't have... All of Yahweh's prophets had something in common. They wrote. In Hebrew. Yeah, there's not a single word that we have written by the hand of uh, Yosha. So then, okay, so they would say, all right, well, Yahweh in the whole book of Revelation. Well, not so much. Mm-hmm. No, because be hard, uh, hard to prove parts of, of Revelation that are actually credible, all the parts that are credible are come right out of Zechariah and uh, out of uh, Ezekiel and out of Daniel and out of Yermiah. It's, it's not a whole lot different than what we're doing here. Yeah. Where, where we're taking this prophet and that prophet and the other prophet and saying they're all telling the same story and this is the story. So you really have, therefore... 2,400 years of radio silence. Uh, I can't listen, I, I've got nothing against uh, Yo Khan and he may have been a cool dude, 
But uh, Yao Kanan does not write like a prophet. The prophet says, Yahweh said. You know, mm-hmm. One of our challenges in presenting a book like Yashaya and uh, Jackie and Molly, who are my, uh, my quote smiths, uh, they're constantly saying, hmm, do we close the quote here? We open it here. Who's speaking? Is it, is it the prophet that's speaking now, or is it Yahweh that is still speaking? Because sometimes it's, it's hard to tell. Mm-hmm. Because there's so much of Yahweh speaking in first person. And Yahweh will even speak in first person, uh, but use his name in third person, while he's speaking in first person. So there is nothing in Revelation that reads like the uh, any yeah, yeah. any of uh, yeah. of these the prophets. So it's, it's real, and and it wasn't written in Hebrew. So we realize it's been two thousand four hundred years since Yahweh communicated through a prophet. The reason is simple. Mm-hmm. And the reason is simple, folks. There was no one willing to serve Yahweh in the role of a Nabi. Not one. And as a result, the rabbis, as the result of these rabbis, the Jews were led so far away from Yahweh that none were willing to listen to him anymore. Without a Nabi, there would be no new revelations, just the fulfillment. Oh, nobody would stand up against the rabbis till now. Correct. Yes. Rabbinic Judaism. Nobody would dare. It, it, it wouldn't dare. The only thing that you see in opposition to Rabbinic Judaism in Israel is that the uh, non-ultra-Orthodox, uh, the non-Hasidic, will jab uh, the rabbinic Judaism arm and say, you know, you, you are so disparaging an, uh, of us that uh, an Orthodox Jew will say that a Reformed Jew is not even a Jew. And they will speak of them as being, you know, dogs and snakes and, and all sorts of matters. They're exceedingly derogatory. And, and so everyone from Reformed to the left of that mm-hmm. and who is secular is upset that, you know, the Hasidic despise the nation of, of Israel. I mean, half yeah. of them live there. They, they, they cash a check from the government so they can play religion all day, and yet they condemn the state. They hate the state of Israel and openly hostile to it. And they don't serve in the, uh, in the IDF. They're, they won't lift a finger to fight. They don't pay taxes. They spend all day being parasites. And so there are people who speak out against that. They say, you know, if you want to be religious, go do whatever you want to do. We don't give a crap. But we don't want to have to pay for you being religious all day. That's your choice. Yeah, that's your choice. But, you know, in Israel, you can't get married and you can't get divorced outside of a rabbi. There is no secular Marriage. There is no way to get married. There's no way to get divorced. No justice you can't the come no, and become no, no an Israeli Samuel citizen yeah, unless the rabbis wow. say that your religion is orthodox enough for us to view you as a Jew based on your religion. You can't even become a citizen of Israel. So it is a, uh, it's a real problem. 
So there was no one willing to serve the role of a nabi, or a nabi, a prophet, and as a result, the rabbis, uh, these rabbis, the Jews, were led so far away. Literally, no one was willing to listen. So as a result of rabbinic Judaism, Jews have lost all contact with and all respect for Yahweh. It is only by walking away from Judaism that Jews might become Yehudim again. And once more embody what the name represents. And until Jews cease being Jews and become Yehudim, they will not re-engage in a relationship with Yahweh. Now that is not to disparage an ethnicity, it's to embrace it. Jews must become Yehudim again, beloved of Yah. Mm-hmm. For they them to be reconciled with Yah. Now, earlier in this discussion, Yah explained that he spoke through a Nakar. And, well, now you know why. Why would God need to speak through a foreigner? That's all you got. That was all you got. There wasn't a Jew willing to listen. Now, these words could be very disorienting for Jews. To know that God despises rabbis, has called them liars, is a bitter pill to swallow. It means that 2,400 years of Jewish men, women, and children have been lost among these deceptions. The only thing worse would be to continue along their same deviant path away from the truth. Now, if it matters, I, I share your pain. I was once ensnarled in the midst of Christianity. I was an ordained elder, and I was an evangelist. Mm -hmm. I believed Paul. I led Bible studies on the New Testament. The discovery that I had been played for a fool was traumatic. I was angry. I was angry at the religious, and I was disappointed in myself. I remain apologetic. I am remorseful that during my youth I was part of the problem. And while I'm sorry, had I not been there, I would not be here. Just all there is to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, it might be reasonable to assume that because there was no one else willing to do what we have done, to go where Yah's words lead to impugn their prior religion, to impugn their political views, to impugn patriotism, to say things that the world does not want to hear, that the thought police will have a conniption fit over. Uh, And to do so... Uh, for 10, 12 hours a day, six, seven days a week for 20 years. That's, now, that's there, weren't a whole lot of, you know. there weren't a whole lot of people signing up for that gig. And, <laughs> and, the paper, the paper and okay, so, uh, so God 
didn't pick us because of some qualifications. We were chosen by default. Show and yet, I want to tell you that, up. but we, st- we still had to bring more to the party than just show up. Because yeah. it's really well, hard, true. it's really hard to oppose something you know nothing about. Yeah, that's true. Absolutely. And I, that's had true. I not been political, had I not been religious, had I not been patriotic, I would not have known how to effectively rebuff those things. And it's enough that God teaches us the truth and teaches us why he hates religion. He really doesn't want to have to go into, okay, here, a dummy. Uh, let me give you a course on rhetoric. Let me give you a case on uh, on logic. Let me give you. Uh, let me teach you all about uh, Islam. Let me teach you about Christianity. Let me teach you about Judaism. Let me teach you about politics, so that now you understand more effectively and can condemn these things more uh, credibly. Along with them, that's not what he wants to do. What he wants to do is to teach us the truth so mm-hmm. that we can put ourselves into his message. God doesn't like working alone. He likes people who is going to interject themselves into the messages, by the way, is probably the thing that causes more people to, to leave our company than anything else. When, uh, when I interject myself and my viewpoints into the message, but I'm here telling you that if I did not do that, we wouldn't be here. Mm-hmm. No. God's not looking but for a robot. Yeah, he's well, not no, looking but... for a robot. I Listen, I could go and just say, this is what the translation says. But if yeah. I did that, then I'm not doing the job that he called us to do. No. The job is Remember to awaken people, to have them understand why God hates religion, why he hates politics, why you can't be religious and, po- and political and be part of his covenant. And so he wants us to explain what's wrong with these things such that yeah. uh, we can be tagged by the thought police now so that we can be more effective witnesses. May I say? May I say something? Sure. Oh. Um, I'm like probably like a lot of people, but I have to I have to confess that I wasn't smart enough to find find it. I mean, I knew something was wrong. I could tell you what was wrong, and but I didn't know how to dig it out. That was something uniquely wonderful about your book, yada yada, the first time. But I will say that I was smart enough to recognize it when I did see it, and most of the people that I know. On a, on a personal basis that we chat with, we know when we encounter it. And now the difference is because of your books and because of the helpful way you allow us to and the way you write it so we can check these things out and with the knowledge of how to, what, what to find lexicons and so forth to, to, to dig it out, uh, we know how to prove it. Correct. This is not. It's not. We, it's we not can, just saying. Gosh, you know, he said he's pretty smart and he's got it all done. No, I, let me show you why. Using the listen, same God, tools everybody yeah. else uses. God's not celebrating what we're doing because one or two people got it. He's celebrating what no. we're doing is because we enable countless people to get it. That's, That's right. why he's they, celebrating. They're looking, us. They can find it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Uh, now I understand that uh, that some people 
read these books with a dictionary uh, sitting nearby. And others uh, just look at it and say, oh, my God, can't you just simplify it? Well, you know, Molly created, uh, yeah, yada, yada. Well, actually, Molly created yada, yada for little. Well, it does simplify yeah, it, no, and it's beautifully done. And, and it's a treasure. you know that, you want to go deeper. And, of course, now we, deeper, we link to it now from the new website, and by the way. I yeah. keep that tab up of the new website. I am so pleased with what uh, mm-hmm. David and Jackie have been able to do on that. It is so beautifully done. Mm. Uh, so thank you mm. for uh, for making it available to uh, to the world. But the fact of the matter is God likes working through people. And just like Yashaya and uh, Zachariah and Malachi and even Habachuk. You know, remember Habachuk is saying, what's wrong oh, with them? God, you can't die. <laughs> Can you do that? Did you hear what they said? Don't even look. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, so God likes it when we interject. Now, I understand there's a big difference between interjecting as a witness and interjecting mm-hmm. as a prophet. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I also understand that interjecting as a prophet requires a great deal more decorum and, uh, and um, precision than interjecting yeah. as a witness. If I interject as a witness and I'm wrong, uh, I have the opportunity to go back and correct it, and uh, and and I, it's not a death sentence. If I interject mm-hmm. as a prophet, <laughs> I'm wrong. You lie. Yeah, that's uh, a death sentence. Don't so, even. Yeah, yeah, not a good choice. Not so a good if thing it was okay wrong. for the prophets, and they have to be precise, uh, I'm mm-hmm. pretty confident that uh, Yahweh is good with uh, with us doing. It. You know, one. Uh, place would uh would be that that god is is nearly as opposed to conspiracy as he is to religion so we'll spend a lot of time condemning uh conspiracy uh one of the problems is that not only are jews and israel the principal people and nation uh blamed through conspiracy, you know, that so many of them just get right down to blame the Jews. Even COVID-19 yeah. now, they're, they're blaming it on the Jews. And it's just so inappropriate to continually to blame God's people, particularly when God says, you know, if you're going to curse my people, I'm going to curse you. So it's a really, really dumb idea to be, to be conspiratorial. But my issue with conspiracy is that most conspiracies are so stupid so easily disproven that even to be around such people is a is this giant credibility cesspool. So we speak yeah. against it. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when it comes to politics, while I don't vote and I'm not uh, aligned with any party uh, and yeah. I'm not going to support a candidate, I do have I do have I do have a political viewpoint. And what I've tried to do is to have my political viewpoint be as closely aligned with Yahweh as is possible. And Yahweh does not like government. And so if if there is a choice between less government or more government, I'm always going to side with less. Do away with the military. Do away with Mm -hmm. the welfare state. Do away with federal controls over education. Do away with uh, with having lifelong representation in, in politics. Less government is better. It's not that less government is good government. 
It's just less bad than more government. So mm-hmm. we will we will speak of politics in that regard, and of course we'll uh, we'll do the proper thing, which is to expose them both political parties when they do things that are are stupid. So again, uh, I understand your pain. I, I've been there. I've made these mistakes. It was disorienting. But I can tell you, if you are a Jew and you're listening to this and you want to become a Yehudim and you're disoriented that the rabbis have lied to you, there is no better feeling than finally pushing on past it. When... Mm-hmm. When you finally can reject your religion and understand how it was wrong across the board, and then you come to know what God actually said and what he's offering and who he is and what he is like, and, uh, and you get to know him, it's like the weight of the world is removed from you, and you've been free to soar through time, space, and dimensions, and, and enjoy enlightenment, and it's such an extraordinary experience. So it is uplifting. It is empowering. Um, it is liberating. It's enlightening. So once I became aware of the truth, I realized that a horrible burden had been lifted from me, just as it will be from you. For the first time in my life, I was receptive to Yahweh. And at long last, I could go to the place where Yahweh's words led, although I'm having a little trouble with uh, the uh, 64th chapter uh, of Yashaya, the 63rd, uh, my wife is telling me, I don't want to go. I don't who, brought, want to go. who brought this to me and then chastised me for saying, oh, you who is always fearlessly going where the words lead, you found some words that make you uncomfortable. Yeah, well, I'll, yeah, I'll get well. there. I'll get there. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> yes, give me time. You are human, you know. You're allowed uh, to do that. Oh, yeah, give me, t- give me time. Uh, yeah. It's uh, it's an accolade that uh, that um, I am just not mm-hmm. worthy mm-hmm. of accepting and don't want to accept. Okay, so, joy, my life, replaced sorrow. Darkness was swallowed up by the light. The same opportunity awaits Jews en route to becoming Yehudim again. Religion continues to be the greatest obstacle to knowing Yahweh. And since Yahweh wants his people to know him, he is being forthright in exposing and condemning Judaism. This is Yeshua 57.12. I will correctly recount your work accurately portraying your customs and practices <laughs> but it will not be to your benefit. (laughs) Ouch! Uh I will correctly recount your work. I'm going to correctly portray your customs and your your practices, but you ain't going to like it. (laughs) You know what that is, though, right? You know that that's, 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 uh, right now by hearing that, we're fulfilling a prophecy. Who else is doing this? Yeah, I guess we are. Yes. Yeah. This is real time now. Yeah, it's real. It's real time. But I just think it's it's just so Yahweh. Yeah. Hey, boys, oh, yeah. little boys out there, you you guys are playing religion out there. And understand. I know what you wrote. 
<laughs> and I am I am I'm going to recount your own words. But you ain't gonna like it. You just not gonna like it very much. It it isn't going to be your, to your benefit. Now, I. I, I I sit in this chair uh, from morning to uh, to uh, tonight because uh, I enjoy Yahweh's words. I mean, I, I I just love what he has to say, and uh, and so it's a real pleasure to translate it and learn and 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 say, well, that was clever, uh, God, that was pretty impressive, uh, and and you know, I would hope that in a quiet moment, so, you know, attorney is a real long time, so. I'm sure that Jan and I will will be able to have a, a chat here and there. That's just a private chat about what we uh, what we did together. And I would really hope that God would say, you know, I will correctly recount your work, and I'm going to accurately portray what you uh, you had to say. And you know, I think you're going to enjoy that. <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think that's fair. I think that's, I yeah. think the goal that's ought a reasonable to be. Assumption, yeah. Yeah, yeah, the goal ought to be the opposite of what Yahweh just said about rabbinic Judaism. I get it. So yeah. Yashaya is addressing those who claim that they are righteous, that they are right, that they are just, that they are justified. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. they love to call themselves righteous among his people. Therefore, this remains a focused attack by God on rabbis and Judaism. To condemn them and repudiate their religion, Yahweh will tell the truth about them. In fact, that is what he's doing right now. You're right. We are mm-hmm. fulfilling a prophecy. Yeah. Nothing is, uh, by the way, fulfilling a prophecy, <laughs> it can be good and it can be bad. You know? <laughs> Uh, it all depends what the problem yeah, I got, is. Yeah, I got that too. Uh, I figured that okay. out too. Yeah. yeah, I'm a little slow. I'm from Alabama. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, nothing is more caustic to religious beliefs than Yahweh's testimony when it is accurately presented. Every rabbi, every pope, every cardinal and bishop, every imam and pastor, every priest, along with many politicians and teachers will be exposed in this way, hung by their own words and deeds. Mm-hmm. We had a uh, uh, a dinner um, earlier this week, and mm-hmm. uh, there's a young lady here that we've befriended, and uh, she has the coolest daughter uh, in, in the history of, uh, of preteen girls. This, this girl is such a class act and has so much style. So she was uh, talking about how one of her classmates – uh, wants to be as a girl, but she only wants to be referred to by masculine pronouns. So everybody in the class has been told this is part of the new non-binary approach and that uh, out of respect for her, that they should not say her, but now out of respect for him, even though she is still continuing to be a girl and says, I am a girl, I just want you to refer to me as he and him. And so she was talking about this as if non-binary, you know, was a, uh, as a fact and, and how we have progressed and, and giving people respect. And I said, that's utter and complete nonsense. She can choose to call herself a mushroom if she wishes to. If she wants to pretend that she's green, 
That's just fine. Whatever she wants to do is up to her. But to ask you to lie is not appropriate. To ask you to respect that choice is not appropriate. Because transgender as a choice Mm -hmm. shortens one's life, makes a life miserable. Those who are transgender, and and unfortunately, I I know more than my share, and know more more than my share of families who are dealing with this. There aren't enough psychiatrists on the planet to try to remedy the pain. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it shortens one's life. It almost certainly makes a person miserable in their life. It is not something we should respect. It's a very bad decision. And, and so we ought not be asked to lie. To support it. You can't, mm-hmm. We not, should not be asked to look at who is clearly a girl and say, I understand you want to be a, called a boy. I don't think it is appropriate for a girl to go into the boy's locker room or the boy's bathroom. I don't think it's appropriate for a boy to go into the girl's. I don't think it's appropriate for a man to dress like a girl so that he can prey on girls or prey on on guys, fool them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. These are deceitful things. Listen, I don't give a hoot. If somebody is a is lesbian or bi or gay, doesn't mean squat to me. Do not care. I don't think God cares to tell you the truth. I think the two mm-hmm. passages that have been attributed against homosexuality are very poorly translated. They have really nothing to do with uh, homosexuality. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, I don't think I don't think God cares. I, the only thing God doesn't like is don't don't lie, don't deceive people about such things. Uh, uh, and so when we told her these things and that her teachers were deceiving her when they were talking about non-binary, that there is more than uh, than two genders. In humans, there are only two genders. You're either male or female. There is no such thing as changed or neuter or, you know, we're celebrating an Olympics where the, the news can't wait to tell you how a transgender athlete, some dude posing as a woman, uh, won some competition. No, that's that's a dude with testosterone flowing through his veins, pretending to be a woman, taking a medal away from from a woman. Yes, we are not celebrating this. This isn't inclusion. It's stupid. It's wrong. So, listen. Uh, as I say, uh, if somebody chooses, they they want to uh, hug a tree, that's just fine. If they choose that they want to be uh, homosexual, that's just fine. They could, as far as I can say, they can be trisexual. I'm, I swear that some days that Asher is trisexual. No, not for Asher. Asher is a lover. Asher loves everybody. And most everybody loves uh, loves Asher. Uh, and I think Asher would be do interspecies, which is a no-no, Asher, no interspecies. But, hmm. I, you know, whatever you do on your own is just fine. It's free will, yeah. But, but don't, yeah. don't impose your decisions, particularly if you're asking someone 
to lie or you're misleading someone, don't ask them to endorse or respect those decisions. Hmm. That's, That's where, yeah. where we get uh, to be wrong. Now, for those of, uh, of you who have read, uh, read them, you know that this is how Prophet of Doom and Questioning Paul were uh, composed. What uh, I uh, did is uh, I held the founders of those religions um, to their words. I simply mm-hmm. said, this is what you said. You're not going to like it very much, but this is what he said. You're not going to like it very much, but this is what he said. That is how Questioning Paul and Prophet of Doom were written. And so I understand God's technique here. The best way to prove that Islam is wrong is to quote the Islamic scriptures. The best mm-hmm. way to prove that Paul was wrong is to quote the Christian New Testament and the books that he wrote. That's the most effective way. And so what God is saying is, I'm going to accurately uh, reflect what you said. You're just not going to like it very much. Prophet of doom, Muslims hate it. It's a precisely accurate presentation of what Muhammad said and did. Questioning Paul mm-hmm. is a comprehensive evaluation of what Paul said and did. It's just yeah. that preachers hate that too. They right. don't like it very much. <laughs> no. Now, there may be a less damning fate awaiting those who have justified the unjustifiable without having become aware that their representations of God are inaccurate. They best, uh, they will, at best, they will have their souls destroyed at the end of their counterproductive lives. But it should be noted that it is unlikely that a person would reach the level of rabbi, pastor, preacher, imam, mentor, spokesman, politician, or professor, and have done so much without realizing somewhere along the way that there were serious flaws and inconsistencies in the system they were advocating. And that's really important. There's a reason I think so. that progressives no. now, the most liberal of liberals, the um, socialists verging on communists, there's a reason that they have disbanded the use of logic or reason where they discredit evidence as not having any value anymore. Mm-hmm. There's a reason that they go along with political correctness which is universally invalid. And the reason is that the truth is exceedingly destructive to their belief systems. You know, if, if you're for big government, all you have to do is compare East and West Berlin, North and South Korea, Western Europe versus Eastern Europe. Yeah. What life is like in Taiwan versus what life is like in China. It's not hard. It's exceedingly easy. If you want a religious state and you want to live where your religion and your God are preeminent, well, Mm -hmm. go live in in an Islamic country. Tell me how much you like it. So the world as a whole particularly the religious and progressives, have abandoned evidence and reason because they don't like the truth. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, most. You know, I had a. Go ahead. No, I just had a friend one time, um, uh, and he was just uh, dying the world, turning into a communist. And, and I said, fine, that's what you want to be. It's, you know, you allow that. The Constitution allows you to believe what you want. But right. uh, so, but he was a salesman, and he was an importer of art, art supplies, and he went to China. He oh, lived yeah. there for six or seven months. And when he came back, he said, I've given up communism. <laughs> <laughs> I can't live like this. Yeah, and what's interesting, while well, the Chi- the Chinese government is well, there's, there's a because to, because yeah, of the yeah. the uh, dictatorial nature of centralized power, massive government, and the most liberal use of government ultimately would mm-hmm. be a communist country. the The problem, of course, or the 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 interesting about China is that, and I. I was part of this, uh, the first enterprise zones that were opened uh, outside of Hong Kong. Uh, mm-hmm. The Chinese decided outside of Hong Kong, while well, Hong Kong was still uh, independent of, uh, of China, still part of the lease, mm-hmm. uh, that they, mm-hmm. would, they would accept an experiment in this one little tiny area of an enterprise zone where uh, Taiwanese nationals and other businessmen could invest capital and actually mm-hmm. own the factories and make a profit and sell their goods without any communist control for enterprise. Mm-hmm. And it was the Wild West of free enterprise. And that first enterprise zone, which I had offices in, factories in, was there all the time, it was so mm-hmm. extraordinarily successful that the next year there were 10 of them. And the year after that, there were 100 of them. And the years after that, there were 500 and then 1,000 and then thousands of them. And now, with the exception of agriculture, yeah, with the exception of agriculture, the reason that China has become the fastest growing economy in the world and will soon be the world's largest economy and the world's Mm -hmm. economic uh, manufacturing engine is because economically, China runs on free enterprise. Mm-hmm. So it's got free enterprise as an economic system and then the draconian effects of uh, centralized government and uh, dictatorship in communism over all that in total indoctrination and a complete deprivation of freedom. Um, so it's you know, the, the world is, is a, an interesting place if you just study it. But your friend went over there during the enterprise zone oh, time yeah. and still couldn't handle it. No. He just, yeah. he just um, no, he freaked yeah. out. Yeah, I mean, it, it, the, the things that were just so stark is that uh, you'd go to a place like Romania, which was uh, communist at the, uh, at the time, and then go across the border and go into to Western Europe, which was free. Uh, and it was like a um, hundred years yeah. transpired before your eyes. Uh, the pale was so oppressive. Now, I spent a lot of time in, uh, in the Soviet Union when it was the Soviet Union, went all the way across the, uh, the country from, uh, from east to west, north to south. And so I got a pretty good mm-hmm. eyeful as to how communists turn uh, men and women into, uh, into gods. And, of course, the lure in academia, acad- uh, you know, teachers are universally liberal. And the reason they're liberal is they buy into the rhetoric of communism, which is that the most enlightened lead. But that's never how it works. They, they get the, the 
teachers and the professors to support it because they say, you know, the most enlightened, you'll rise to power. And, of course, the teachers have never had any power because they've never done anything but to teach. And so they buy into it, thinking, oh, well, we'll be, we'll be revered. We'll be at the highest end of the society as opposed to the lowest end. But what's the first thing that a communist country does when the thugs come to power? They kill the intellectuals. They kill them all. So you've got to be stupid as a teacher if you can't figure it out that if you get what you want, you're dead. Or they silence you one way or the other, so you've got to be careful what you say, and it defeats the purpose. So nonetheless, the the liberals, the religious, they continue to – and by the way, I didn't mention conservatives, but conservatives in today's world, there's no one really that is a conservative. But those who prayed around as conservative have got to be some of the biggest nincompoops in the history of humankind. I mean, these guys that, that you know, rally around Trump. God, I, mm-hmm. I think if they did have uh, three brain cells that functioned, two of them are on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> The third is taking a nap. Uh, nobody is willing to surrender right the, job, the, the, the social st- You know, my, my, my goal is to have uh, Elia look down one day and say, hey, <laughs> I like that guy. I'll say I like I'll use that yeah, yeah, I like that guy. I like him. Oh, yes, one of these days. Uh, my, my dream is to be a pre – you know – if I could win, win the, uh, the, and I'm not by winning. If if, if the the three guys that I looked up to the most, if if in passing they say, hey, yeah, that guy, he was all right. No, <laughs> uh, of course, because you know I've got a bromance on uh, on Dode. I think Dode's the coolest yeah. dude in the history of dudes. So Dode, I, yeah, it would be, uh, you know, if sometime in the entirety of you of eternity, if Dode would say, hey, you know. I know who you are. You said some pretty cool stuff. If really? That, that was, you know, I'd, melt, I'd melt into the pavement and probably not come out for a thousand years. But nonetheless, that'd be cool. Uh, I feel, uh, yes, yeah. I mean, the the yeah. man tugs at my heart because I I've, I understand what it's like to to have the most impassioned message in the world, to know the answer to be able to deliver your own people and then not have them listen only to know yeah. in the end that it all works out. And, and so I, uh, I love, uh, I just dearly love Yasha. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess Elia would be a cool <laughs> pension just because mm-hmm. guy was, guy was mm-hmm. so just, funny and, and so righteous. Yeah, and I've, You'd have a nice foursome or a fivesome. Yeah, 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 that's right. It'd be a nice foursome. Well, I'm not going to play on that. That, that, that they're, they're in a different league. No, I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to stay in the middle of it. I'm just trying to say it'd be, it'd be cool, you know, just to get, you know, of, of, Doe's going to be the, uh, the head dude for, well, like uh, eternity. And eternity is a really long time. <laughs> if, if three seconds of eternity... <laughs> He would say, yeah, I, uh, you're, you're I, I think, I, think I remember you. It would be cool. I'm not asking for much. Uh, yeah, I'm the guy that uh, had the bromance on you. Uh, yeah. but, now, for so, 
Yeah, for uh, the souls who have waited too long to uh, to choose Yahweh over the rabbis, who have become too comfortable relying mm-hmm. upon one another. This is what Yahweh says. And we'll end here and probably pick it up here again uh, this time uh, okay. next week as we're recording but not uh, broadcasting. When you finally cry out for help, let your assemblies and what you have accepted save you. When you finally cry out for help, when it, when the time comes, when you wail in agony and you summon for assistance, when you finally offer a proclamation to gather together, let your assemblies and what you have accepted save you. Let your accumulation of things, your companions, your convocations, your holidays, what you have received and assumed to be true, let it deliver you. God said you went too long. Every one of these meaningless and futile things, as if they were a fleeting breath, the Spirit will grasp hold of and carry away. But the one who takes refuge in me will inherit the land and will become an heir to my set-apart mountain. So if you are a political Jew, if you are a religious Jew, and you finally, in the end, the anti-Semitism becomes too great, the floodgates of Muslims uh, coming into uh, Israel to to wipe you out to the last, uh, the, uh, the rocket attacks from uh, Hezbollah, when it becomes too much and you finally say, oh, God, save us. Hey, God's going to say, no, let's switch. Let's talk to the God you loved. Yeah, talk, yeah. talk to the, the politician that you, uh, you love. Talk to the rabbi you love. Let, uh, let your shit save you. See how that works for you. Mm-hmm. That's what he's going to say. It was all rubbish to me. You, you paid me uh, no attention. And now in your darkest hour, you're still not mentioning my name. And you reach out to me like I'm supposed to save you. No, 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 no. You banked on your beliefs. Let them save you. However, if you're willing to listen to Yahweh, if you're willing to embrace what he said, if you're willing to let go of all of those who have held you down, the one who takes refuge in Yahweh, not in the rabbis, Mm -hmm. The one who seeks Yahweh's protection, trusting and relying upon Yahweh to keep him and her safe, they will inherit the land and become heir to my set-apart mountain. I want to tell you, you want to be an heir to the set-apart mountain because everything cool is going to take place on the ridgeline, the Zion of Moriah. Mm-hmm. That is where it's all going to be happening. Yahweh's going to have this glorious home there. One of the things I found out, as I didn't know, is that we're actually going to contribute to building it. Well, certainly, really? uh, Yehudim and Israelites are. Yeah, I had always thought that, you know, just God uh, comes here. Here's my, uh, my new house. It can be a, you know, a house of, uh, of, of crystal and light and everything. And no, Yahweh says, no, no, no. We're all going to build it together. I'm going to, I'm going to give Dode the opportunity to do what he wanted to do. And uh, we're going to build it together. Oh, by the way, cool. we'll get, we're going to get to it uh, on uh, Kippurim. Uh, uh, 
Boy, oh boy, did I ever miss it, and is it ever profound. You know what? Um, told us that the reason that Dode couldn't build the uh, the uh, his house was that he mm-hmm. had uh, blood on his hands. Blood on his hands. What he said. He said that's the reason. Yeah. Do you know that when Yahweh is talking through Zachariah about the high priest Yosha uh, uh, and saying, okay, I understand he's a scallywag, and the guys around him are even bigger scallywags, and uh, nonetheless, we're going to dress him up and, and clean him up uh, and right. the like, uh, because there's a really important role for yeah. Kaporim to take place. There's a whole series of sprinkling blood from the tips of your fingers on that mercy seat. And somebody's mm-hmm. got to be ready to do that for me to honor my Torah and fulfill Kippurim. And so we're told this. that's why the story of, uh, of in uh, Zechariah 4 exists. And, and so you say, okay, wow, wow, still, why, why, why Yosha's name? Well, because Yosha was the high priest, the high priest. when the yeah. house was rebuilt after the Babylonian uh, captivity. Oh, so that's why his name, yeah. that's why his name is built. Um, so then, so you're going to say, okay, so what, what does God care about a high priest? He doesn't. I mean, he's going to reestablish the priesthood, but he doesn't. What he cares about is fulfilling the Torah's explanation of what happens on Kippurim. And Kippurim is explained very early on. It's explained with Yahweh telling Aaron. You know when Aaron uh, had the, uh, mm-hmm. his dim-witted moment? He, uh, yes. he participated and he pulled his calf, the bull. The bull. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. God said, yeah. all right. So with Aaron... For Aaron to get clean, because right now Aaron's a joke, we're, we're going to sacrifice, guess what? What did Aaron build? A bull. Oh, yeah. So yeah. we're going to sacrifice yeah. a bull. And he's going to, just for him and only for him, he's going to sprinkle some of the bull's blood on that mercy seat from the tip of his uh, fingers. That is just so that he can perform this role because Boy is way over uh, over fixated on uh, on religious bulls, and uh, then he says we're going to take a scapegoat. We're going to get a goat, and uh, not a lamb, but a goat. No. And for the people, yeah. we're going to uh, sprinkle some of that blood on the uh, on the mercy seat of the covenant. Do you know what the mercy no. seat of the covenant is called? The Capriss. Yes. You know what the basis of the word is? The only thing is different between it and uh, kaporum. Kaporum is plural. Covering. And uh, kaporus uh, means all things pertaining to reconciliations. It's the same damn okay. word. Fair enough. Yeah. And so okay. for Yahweh to fulfill uh, kaporum, what he needs is somebody who is acceptable to uh, sprinkle some of that uh, goat's blood on the uh, the mercy seat because that's what he said is there to reconcile my people back to me. Well, guess mm-hmm. who's going to be doing it? The man who had blood on his hands. Dode. Dode. And then right after Dode does it, 
he gets to lead the construction of the temple with us helping. How cool. Oh, it's so cool. The way that story comes together and why it's told the way it is. Yeah, it's really cool. The, the, the prophecies of Zachariah are, are illuminated. Of course, in Zachariah, the next chapter is about the two witnesses. And um, I went through and finally uh, was able to translate the symbolism in those was, was always a challenge. And until about um, a month ago, I was just dumbfounded. I said, oh, gosh, I'm going to skip this again because no one can figure this, this one out. This time it was matter of fact, just all the pieces fell into place and came to understand why there's uh, two witnesses and who the two witnesses are and, and what's transpiring around them. And, and so those witnesses, one of the things that they do is uh, make ready, uh, level out the path, make straight the path to Yahweh. That's what that prophecy is all about, because Yahweh is about ready to return. And they speak volumes also about Dode and the role that he's going to play, because Dode is actually going to be not only the king, he's going to be dressed in the priestly... He, he's going to be dressed. He's going to be dressed in the priestly robes. I don't know if he'll be called okay. a high priest. I don't think it matters. Well, you know, he's I'm going to be dressed the in the priestly attire, yeah. and he's going to perform yeah. that function for us. Good. Well, so, yeah, very, very cool. So here we are. We've got uh, um, when Jews finally call out for help. God's going to say, "Nope, nope, nope." Uh, turn to your your. Uh, your oral uh, Torah, turn to your Mishneh Torah, turn to your Talmud, turn to your Babylonian uh, Talmud, and find a remedy in there. I, I'm, I'm sure that that'll work out just well for you. However, how yeah, but he still you, gives them a way out. I mean, he—that's he, the most caustic thing he said so far, in my opinion. You know, because it's so sarcastic. You know, like so, turn to the God you like and yeah. have Him save you. Yeah, so, that's exactly what he's saying. But then he says, okay, but still, yeah. those who do, those who do, the right there's thing, an alternative here. And me, I want you to say, know so that those of you who really choose to rely on me, take refuge uh-huh. in me, seek protection from me, Yahweh, mm-hmm. that you will inherit the land. You're going to become an heir to my uh, set apart mountain, which is Mount uh, Moriah, where it's all happened to man. That is the place you want yeah. to be. I, I yeah. cannot imagine. Uh, I've, I've, well, I have imagined in my eyes what what happens when the earthquake uh, occurs and splits from east to west, and, the water. and water wells up through uh, uh, through uh, Mount uh, the Mount of Olives, and and it's going uh-huh. to flow right around through the uh, the uh, Kidron and uh, uh, and uh, Himmon Valley, and, and as it uh, as it does, it's going to rush all the way down to the sea, and both seas it will uh, also fill the uh, the Dead Sea, so it's no longer dead. Uh, while at the same time, it uh, it creates this most spectacular water feature going down from the Mount of Olives, and and I think it's going to go right through the existing Temple Mount, so there's just be this beautiful river of water and light that uh, that will be between uh, Dode's house and Yahweh's house and this bridge of light that will be between them and these beautiful signs of, uh, of, of Zion 
posted along the way. And, and this, uh, this mountain that is now surrounded by serene beauty and waterfalls and, and uh, soaring uh, trees, as Yahweh says, uh, with mm-hmm. all of the, the brambles gone and, and all of the religious rubbish vaporized. It's just literally going to turn it all to goo that's just gone and swallowed up by the earth. So now Jerusalem has Dode's house, Yahweh's house, and these beautiful places to, uh, to live and celebrate the relationship without any pollution, without any religion, without any politics, without any uh, militarism, without any patriotism. Uh, it's just going to be marvelous. So that's what he says, is that uh, there is the opportunity for you to walk away from rabbinic Judaism and inherit all that Yah has to offer. So with that, uh, mm-hmm. let's uh, um, pick it up this time next week. This is, I think this is still wonderful material. I, I know that Absolutely. that, uh, that it's, uh, it isn't fun for most people to hear and probably impossible no. for most people to talk about uh, the condemnation of religion, particularly oh, kind of religion. Judaism, yeah. with all the implications yeah. I mean, Judaism, if you're yeah. condemning Judaism, that you must be an anti-Semite mm-hmm. or, uh, or something. And so this is, uh, this is a place that most people don't want to go. But Yahweh yeah. took us here. We're telling you yeah. what Yahweh revealed. Yahweh took us here. And we would be doing him and his people a disservice if we didn't share it. And understand it's the most compassionate thing we can do. It's the most compassionate thing Yahweh can do. Because if you don't leave it, then the answer is, I'm going to recite it all back to you. You're not going to like it very much. Yeah. If you call on me while you're still mired in that rubbish, I'm going to tell you, we'll find a page in your rubbish. Maybe it'll save you. So the most compassionate thing we can do for Jews is help them become Yehudim again. Reintroduce oh, them to well Yahweh. Said. Yes. So this is actually yeah. this is actually good news. It is a wonderfully happy story because all the religious Jews give up is religious Jews. That's all they're giving up. And they're gaining look what you, look what you gain. Yeah, yeah, gosh. Look what you gain. Enlightenment, wow. freedom. Great joy. You can actually love a woman and respect her without having to humiliate her. What a thought. You can work and be proud of what you're accomplishing. You can say your God's name, and you can recognize that your God's name is emblazoned into your name. Wow. Yeah. Yes. You know that, but yeah. Pick up wow. right where you left off, and and you know God's saying at the end, you know everyone's going to be a prophet. Well, of course, because you're going to have all these Yehudim there, and they're all going to be loving and knowing Yah, be available uh, uh, for Him to work through. I mean, I'm quite confident that if there were uh, a thousand people like Moshe, God would work through all thousand of them. If yeah, there were, uh, right. I don't know, a hundred dotes out there, he had to work through a hundred dotes. If there were 75 yashayas, we'd have heard from all of them. Mm-hmm. 
And one day there will be, thanks to Yahshua, thanks to Dod, thanks to Moshe. There will be. Thanks to Yavsha, the playing the role of um, Pesach A.L. It's such a wonderful contribution. Well, thank you all. Uh, go to uh, com. Check out the uh, the books that are all free on the site. Uh, follow the link to the printed books at uh, Amazon. I would encourage you to uh, uh, to buy them and then uh, write uh, your thoughts about them uh, so that others might uh, be encouraged to, to buy them. They are beautiful. Uh, I have them uh, all uh, everywhere in, in my home, in my study. They're, uh, I can't walk any place in my home, basically. That's true. And, and not see, I can attest to that. That's true. Yes, uh, sets uh, of them. Uh, and, yeah. you know, I'm, it is with every one of them, I look over and it's motivation. Yeah. Hey, uh, we, it's, uh, it's to... It's one thing to be this devoted and invest this amount of time. It's another to enjoy the uh, the fruit of that effort, to see it. And so mm-hmm. that's why I say I must look at the uh, Yada Yada site as it has been redone with all those books on the bookshelf uh, and all the links in it. Um, I must do it four or five times a day Yeah, because it's motivation. It's impressive. There's a sense of uh, of of satisfaction, uh, which is all the things that Yahweh wants us to feel. This is what yeah, Yahweh, yeah, yeah. and, 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 and we're not, we are not trying to, uh, to pretend in any way that things wouldn't be better if uh, we were retired and there were uh, hundreds and thousands of Yehudim doing this. We'd be the happiest guys in the world. We'd be off celebrating. Um, yeah. So, oh, don't yeah. Uh, don't let the fact that we're doing this keep you from it. Please join us, uh, retire us, uh, even better. Uh, then you know our study will be uh, probably still study as much as we do. It's just that we'll do it for uh, for personal use and uh, sharing with our friends. Uh, uh-huh. So I would encourage you to uh, to jump in. It's the most wonderful job in the world. And it is long past time that uh, Jews become Yehudim again and turn to the Torah and turn to Yahweh and become part of the covenant. You'll love it. Well, may Yah bless. Look forward to being with you next week. Thank you so much, uh, Kirk. I look forward to talking to you again. Yes, sir. Okay. Okay. Good night. Thank you. Good night, y'all. Good night. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.